This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 50. I'm Evan Marinofsky, back here with Connor Ryan. Yes, I'm back from vacation. Connor killed it last week, doing it all on his own, which people don't realize is not easy. That's not an easy thing to do. Not that we don't have a lot to say, but talking for 45 minutes straight uh, is not exactly the greatest thing in the world for uh, the voice box. So maybe I'll do the majority of the talking today. You're, you're resting up. You had to rest up for a bit after that. Yeah, the the good thing though, Evan, is that at least we had to talk about like all of Reckman Lawson, and like it's very easy to get wound up as to why the Bruins shouldn't get him because he's been legit like garbage over the last like two years. Like not not like kind of bad. Like not like oh um, a little reclamation product. No, he costs a crap ton of money, and my God, he has been absolutely dreadful. So riffing off of that for about twenty minutes did a pretty good job. So shout out to all of Reckman Lawson for. Hopefully contributing in the one positive way he will on uh, any Bruins discussions because if the Bruins get him, it would not be great. Did it just come out that the Coyotes are only uh, they only want to retain like one point two five million of his salary? Is that what yeah. the number I saw? Yeah, which uh, just the latest and just a uh, a clown a clown show operation I have out there. I mean, this is a team that uh, whether it's the fact that they can't even pay off their own bills for their own arena, which is far away outside of the actual city of Phoenix to uh, having a horrible farm system, to all of their uh, absolute, you know, mishandling of the draft the last couple of years with some of the guys they picked, um, coupled with the fact that they lost their first-round pick for, I think it was like improper, like, draft testing. I, I don't know what the exact thing is, but it was losing a first-round pick because of it. Um, to now the new thing is moving Carnegie Island because they don't want to pay a guy who has been their best forward for probably the last two years, which yeah. seems like he's well in line to get a simple pay raise. I think he was making 775000 last year. So would seem like he's more than due for that, I would say, Evan. Uh, so not, not, yeah, not, not going to pay that guy, but then trying to still have leverage when you've got a busted-ass uh, defenseman that you're trying to offload. So uh, great rationale from that team. Good to see the NHL is going to prop up a franchise like that that seems to just slowly be dying in the desert. So yeah, this is, we, we open this podcast just by burying the Coyotes, but you know what? They deserve it. That franchise is a joke. I was going to say, we're off to a hot start, just absolutely ripping uh, ripping apart the Coyotes, which, as you said, very well-deserved. I mean, just a joke uh, down there in the desert. so funny that, like, Vegas in, like, four years completely overtook them as, like, the team in the desert. So happy to see that. Uh, Yes, Connor Garland as well. That stuff is great. We'll get into that probably later in the offseason as that becomes a little bit of a bigger story. Um, By the way, we didn't even say what episode this was. It was episode 50, which is... The Jonas Gustafson episode. Of course. I there's no other that. 50s? I don't think there's any other 50s that I can think of. Maybe Brendan Gaunt's would be the other. I don't think there's any other big 50s um, in any point in Bruins history. Now, someone's going to be like, oh, you don't remember on the 76 team, uh, num- this number 50? And I'll be like, nope, don't. I don't remember them. But I don't think there was. So 
the Jonas Gust. We'll, we'll stick with Jonas Gustafson as the episode, uh, the guy for this episode. I was pissed I missed the Rich Peverly episode. I was so mad. I love Rich. So unfortunately missed out on him. Uh, there is some recent news with the Bruins. Uh, NHL awards dropped on Tuesday night. Uh, no Bruins won anything, but uh, a lot of encouraging things for Marshan and McAvoy. Marshan finished his first team uh, all-star. Uh, he also finishes fifth in the Hart Trophy voting, which is pretty sick. And Charlie McAvoy, fifth in the Norris. Now, I think McAvoy could have maybe gone fourth or third, but goes fifth, whatever. Um, your first impressions on all of that? Yeah, no, I, I, I going into this, did not think, well, one, we didn't know that we knew they weren't going to win because I don't think they were announced as finalists anyway, but uh, I think he could have made the argument for especially, I think, McAvoy uh, finishing like, you know, third, maybe. Um, I think probably the biggest issue probably with that top three finish is probably Hedman, who I think he's the one kind of holdover from like the reputation vote. And I will say, I think uh, some awards this year were like the Bergeron Selkie one will still, you know, make me rip my hair out. But uh, for the most part, I think a lot of voters are at least taking more time to look at some of the underlying numbers and, uh, you know, blending that into their rationale of how they approach these things. Because I think if this was five years ago, Adam Fox and probably even like Kale McCarr, like wouldn't even probably finish close. I think probably especially Adam Fox, where maybe he's not as, dynamic as you know if you're just doing an eye test with a guy like Makar or you watch him in the ozone you're like oh my god this guy's crazy uh granted Fox is still a very good player too but I think he'd be a guy that maybe wouldn't be seriously considered if it wasn't four or five years ago so it's good to see that uh it seems like some of the league voters are taking that more into account um but if you're McAvoy yeah I think finishing fifth um I think he doubled where he finished last year I want to say he finished 10th last year I want to say so um, for him, it's, I think what we expected, it's what the Bruins expected when you kind of gave the keys to him, uh, for the defense moving on from Dino Chara, that he would thrive with more minutes, more responsibilities. And that was the case this year. Um, and from the Bruins perspective, you have to look at it as being, you know, this is like his ceiling has still not been set at all yet. Right. I mean, he could go in next year and average 24, 25 minutes a game. Uh, if he gets more looks on the power play, the top power play unit. You know, if he's a guy who plays the way he did this past year, but adds an extra 15 points to his stat line, teams start taking, some voters start taking more notice on that. You know, it's not always fair that, you know, the offensive production is a bigger determinant in the Norris voting, but um, it's something that I think you have to expect that McAvoy is going to hit going forward. I mean, he, he was, you could make the case he was the MVP of the Bruins this past year, if not him or Marshan. So, to have him make that jump up to, you know, top five voting. Uh, I think it's definitely a, a positive sign for him and a positive sign that I think voters are keeping tabs on him because again, McAvoy is also a guy that if you're just a casual fan or you're just, you know, you don't watch the Bruins and you watch him just a random, I don't know, game and match against like the Blackhawks. He's not a guy that, you know, the, his highlight reel is as crazy as like a, even like a headman or, or a Makar, obviously, but you just watch kind of the little things he does, whether it's transition game, breakouts, uh, obviously the minutes he logs, shut down minutes, uh, physicality for, for being a top pairing guy. Um, he's got it all. So to have him get recognized in that, I think is probably a positive step forward. And uh, for people who are upset that probably he didn't finish higher, I think it's a fair bet to assume that he's going to be uh, in the running for quite a few years going forward, most likely higher than fifth too. Yeah, I, I think 
everyone kind of thinks that McAvoy is definitely going to be a top three guy within the next year or two. I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him even get a lot higher next season. And you're right, though. It's funny because a, a few years ago, it goes to show how far advanced analytics have come and how popularized they've become. That a few years ago, I don't even know if Fox makes the top three. Like, just because c- they went so much off of, of points and reputation and how big you were. And that was how Hedman got a bunch of, got a bunch of notoriety. So it is good to see guys like Fox up there and, and McAvoy. And, and so it's funny, Kel McCarr gets second, UMass. Uh, but you're right. McCarr is kind of the guy who is, is all sort of uh, flash and sort of, you know, uh, you notice him more than anybody else, uh, which I think, you know, and by the way, he's super effective, like deserves to be in the top three. He'll win a Norris at some point too. Um, but it is an interesting thing that the top two guys are, you know, second year guys, McAvoy, young guy, um, you know, a good amount of young guys in that top, in that top 10. So definitely good for the league. Definitely good for the league that they have those guys up there. Safe bet that Charlie McAvoy gets himself a Norris or close to one in the next coming years. And even safer bet is our friends at bet online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The Red Sox are playing and playing pretty well. Uh, the Celtics have a new head coach and what might be a very interesting summer for them. And the Bruins are right now kind of just chilling, but it should be a good offseason for them as well. Craig Even Smith's you, out uh, sightseeing. He's out gallivanting. I saw that. Yeah, he was everywhere doing the full freedom trail. Yeah. But listen up, guys. Even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. We even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, I don't know to tell you, man, but I, I don't think anyone beats that. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on this. I don't think anybody beats that as well. So, so what are you guys waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. For a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Go there now. So the other uh, piece of award news I mentioned, Martian finishes first team, well-deserved, uh, finishes fifth in the Hart Trophy voting, which is very big. It's all it's crazy to think you finish top five in anything, but to finish top five in MVP is pretty mm-hmm. sick. Um, and it just hits at the point, and this is something a lot of Bruins media have been pushing for a, a while, Bruins fans as well. Marshan's the top left wing in the game. And I, and it's good to see that the rest of the league is starting to take notice. And I think the reputation he had of being a rat and being dirty or whatever is kind of gone. And the fact that he's a really effective two way left wing, um, is huge, is huge. And I think that as you start to see, uh, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to see him win a heart again. I don't know if I ever see him surpassing. McKinnon, McDavid, I mean, really just McDavid. Uh, I don't think anybody's surpassing McDavid. 100 out of 100 out of 100 first place votes. Kind of, yeah. Kind of ran away from it. So there's no, no need to hang your head if you're Marshander or any of these other guys who came up short. Thankfully, no one messed that up. Thankfully, no one was like, eh, McDavid's second. You know, we're going to put Matthews. It's going to be, yeah, it was going to be definitely like a, someone putting Matthews on there, but. 
Yeah, I, I'm glad that they got that one right. They got pretty much everything right, the voters did at least, uh, which I think is uh, always a positive thing. But back to Martian. Good to see him solidifying himself as the top left wing in the NHL. Um, how, how much better can he get? Like, because he's, he's, he's in his prime. He's in directly in his prime. You wonder how many of these years he's got left. What is left with him? Yeah, it's tough to kind of map out how much longer he can play at his peak, but you also have to wonder in this kind of level he's playing at right now, is there still another gear he can hit? You know, like, is there still something that, you know, even if it's maybe another one or two year peak, can he be a dude who gets over a full season, like a hundred, 110 points or something, you know, like, uh, and you kind of saw that this past year. And I think one thing that paid a, made a major difference for him was getting that off season surgery, which obviously took him out for a while, but he mentioned how much better he felt after that. And I think at some point during the season, I want to say the tail end of the year, he still said that, you know, recovering from the, that kind of surgery, the amount of work that went into it, uh, he still wasn't a hundred percent to open the year. They're still shaking off the rust. So now with another full season, uh, I don't think he had any off season procedures this year. Um, you know, you, you look at it, if he goes into this next season completely healthy without any limitations, he's able to get back on the ice in a timely manner. Uh, we already know that he's a, like a workout freak guys, obviously always training pretty much year round. Uh, if he can hit another gear and whether that's just uh, better shutdown numbers or, you know, his point totals jump up again, like I, it wouldn't surprise you have him have another year or two of a hundred plus points over an 82 game season. Right. So um, we'll see kind of what, the next step is because of course the decline is eventually going to get there for a guy his age, but you look at just the other factors, the fact that he's continued to get better. The fact that um, this off season should be relatively normal for him, not just because of COVID, but because of just his overall recovery timeline. It's fair to assume that he maybe has another year or two where he can hit another level, which is for the Bruins. Great. For the rest of the league, very scary. Yeah. I mean, he's 33 right now, be 34 yeah. at the end of next season. So, yeah, you have to assume one to two years left of this kind of domination on that top line. And that kind of just solidifies the fact that this Bruce needs to keep going for it. Needs to keep going for it because uh, you don't want to waste the primes of Marchand. Bergeron's at the end of his prime. Uh, Pasternak's kind of just entering his. McAvoy, like you don't want to waste that. I think that's one of the big things uh, with Marchand's success. So interested to see if he can get to fourth place or third place in the hard trophy voting. I think that would require a lot more points. Um, but who knows? He could do it. He's on a line that could do it. So I never know, uh, with that around the league, the Stanley cup is taking place and it is Canadians and the lightning, which is a big in terms of mo in terms of really everything. Uh, but there are a few lessons. The NHL is kind of a copycat league. There are a few lessons that can be learned from this series. And there was one you pointed out in a column recently. I really liked uh, and it's the size aspect on defense. Now, hmm, Connor, haven't we talked about this a lot before? Where mm. uh, teams typically that go deep in the playoffs, that, that go and win the cup final, have bigger defensemen. And this seems yeah. to be the case with the Lightning and the, and the Habs. Yeah, yeah, it always seems to be the case. And as much as, you know, I, I wrote something recently about uh, kind of switching gears a little bit with, with Connor Garland and why the Bruins should be interested in getting him just as a, secondary scoring option everyone's like well you got to get bigger man i'm like well you can pick and choose your battles as to where you you need to get bigger on your roster right because i don't know look at not 
not to compare the two, but look at uh, Braden Point. Does Braden Point give a shit about, uh, you know, being a smaller guy? Does Cole, has Gold Goffield given a shit at his size? Like, you can still have smaller forwards that do very well in the playoffs, but one trend you've seen over the last couple of years has been teams rolling out a big, big decor. Um, and, I mean, if we want to just really run through the list of, like, let's look the last – uh, last two Stanley Cup champions, uh, St. Louis Blues. Everyone talks about the fact that they punched the Bruins in the face repeatedly over that seven-game series. But it wasn't just that. It was also the fact that they had six dudes out there who took a whole bunch of space, limited the chances, uh, you know, really, like, did some damage against the Bruins forwards in that series. Um, but most importantly, limited those grade-A looks. So, Petrangelo, 6'3", 210. Colton Pareko, 6'6", 230. Ooh. Not bad. Jay Meester, 6'4", 206. Carl Gunnarsson, 6'2", 198. Joel Edmondson, 6'4", 215. And Vince Dunn, who's the smaller of the, the group, but 6 feet, 203, kind of in that playmaking, puck-moving role. And even then, 6 feet, 203, still, he's still a pretty big dude. Um, yes, maybe. Uh, and then, you know, 2020 Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Victor Hedman, 6'6", 223. Which I always forget, people always forget, I think, of how humongous Victor Hedman is. Like, he's already such a great player, but he's also a big boy. Uh, Ryan McDonough, 6'1", 215. Mikhail Sergachev, 6'3", 215. Eric Chernak, 6'3", 233. Shattenkirk, six foot, 206. And then they kind of had like Ruta and Bogosian, but all those guys were over six feet. I think uh, Bogosian, 6'3, 221. Big decor. Yep. You wonder Bogosian's why the big Bru- boy. <laughs> yeah. You wonder why the Bruins scored only three even strength goals, I think, in that uh, Toronto bubble series against them. It's one, you got Vasilevsky, but also you've got a bunch of big bodies in front of them that are limiting chances, are blocking shots, are clearing pucks out of great AI. So it makes a difference. And then Look at uh, Mon- Montreal this year. Um, I think uh, the biggest thing, too, is just having a lot of heft in their top four because uh, I think we've seen so far in this series, uh, especially the last few series with Montreal, John Merrill and Eric Gustafson are kind of like, yeah, we'll roll you guys out there a little bit. And, and Merrill's a, a pretty big duty 6'3", but, like, those guys don't get don't play all that much in these games. But you just look at Montreal's top four, Weber, 6'4", 229, Joel Edmondson, again, 6'4", 215. Uh, Jeff Petrie, 6'3", 197. Um, and Ben Chariot, uh, 6'3", 225. So, like, they've literally got all a bunch of big bodies back there. So, if you're the Bruins, and again, not saying that it means you have to just wipe this plate clean and it's like, all right, you got to get rid of Grizzlick. You got to get rid of Riley. But if you have, like, one of Grizzlick and then you add other pieces that, that fit in that spot, it makes uh, a major difference in terms of just how your decor is constituted. So whether that's the guys we've mentioned on this podcast many times, whether it's via trade with Ekholm or free agency with Alexiak or McCabe, like you need bigger bodies on that blue line desperately. It's something that it's not like it's a, a thing that's like a trendy uh, way a team plays or a style of play or how they execute. It's a trend every single year with these teams that go deep is they've got a lot of big bodies on that decor. And a lot of those big bodies, by the way, are good puck movers. I mean, you look yes. at like Sergachev. Sergachev's a beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's huge, and he's out there shifty, moving the puck well, uh, breaking out of his own zone well. So that's the thing. And, and again, it's all about limiting those high danger chances. And bigger guys tend to do it a little bit better because they're not going to let you to those chan- to those areas. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, we've mentioned it. We mentioned our Bruins. We mentioned it on this. Alexiak, McCabe. You said Ekholm. It, you got to add one of those guys. Ekholm obviously is going to be much more difficult. But a guy like Alexiak. Um, I mean, even John Merrill for a third pairing role. I mean, I know he's you know not getting a ton of time, but he's bigger. He helps in that regard. You know, you can rely on him in, his, in your own zone. So uh, you definitely need that. You need that. I mean, Lozon has a little bit of a bite, has a little bit of a punch to him, you know, but younger guy, you know, needs to maybe grow, you know, grow into his own a little bit. So um, that's, I think the main lesson, I think that might be the only lesson. I don't know if there's any, I mean, the other lesson, and I've said this before, you got to develop down the middle. When I look, when I look at the Canadians and I even look at the, the lightning, a lot of their own development down the middle of the ice, which the Bruins do not have a lot of uh, at this moment. I'm talking young guys, not Bergeron and Creech. I'm talking, you know, younger guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, you just look at Montreal, Deneau, Suzuki, um, Kokaniemi, mm-hmm. like develop their own guys, develop their own guys down the middle. And that's a core. That's yeah. a core. <laughs> like, you know, Deneau shut down Stone in that last series. You know, that is a legit core yeah. down the middle. Uh, and, the, and the other thing I'll say is both of these teams are in your division next year. <laughs> and I know pe- people keep, I, I tweeted this and people keep discounting the Canadians. And you said this on Bruins, Pete. That's a good roster. That is not a roster. I mean, I know they were like 18th overall this year. Um, and I mean, really got to the cup final by, you know, it, wouldn't do that every year. But that's not a bad team. That's a pretty damn good roster. You know, yeah. on D, you mentioned up front, obviously, have Carey Price in net. So they're in your division, the Lightning, um, Sabres. The Sabres, the Sabres. I love people replying to my tweet or quote it being like, don't forget about the Sabres. Don't forget about the Senators. I'm like, no, no. Like I'm, no. I'm happy. I'm happy to forget about those. Teams. Which, which I will give credit though. Like Senators could be like pretty solid by like another year or two. Like as much as that team's a absolute shit show, like when they do well, they usually like, develop guys pretty well. Like they always, the problem is they never keep them. That's the That's problem. The they don't they, they can't retain cheap. them, but they develop But, them. but like they do a pretty good job of rolling out like good prospects. They draft well and they get good. So like, I'm not saying the Senators are going to be like a, a breakout team next year, but they could be a team that can be a pain in the ass in the next couple of years and are on the kind of upswing. So oh, it's not yeah. going to be easy. No. And they also have the Panthers in their division. And the Panthers. Yep. And the Maple Leafs. I know people don't like to hear that because it's the Maple Leafs, but that's still like a pretty solid regular season team. <laughs> so, and, and I, you just imagine them at least getting to the playoffs. What happens after? Who knows? But um, so, yeah, that is that. That I think that's really it from the cup final. If there's anything else that's, I mean, the only other lesson is you wish there were two uh, better teams in this, maybe Lightning in Vegas or I know Bruins fans, which there was a team that they could actively root for because there's no reason for that. You don't want the Canadians to win. You don't want the Lightning to win. So what are you going to do? But anyways, that is Poke the Bear episode 50. Connor, before uh, we head out, uh, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, we did a, a breakdown earlier this week of uh, potential trade for Connor Gowland. We looked at uh, de- uh, defensemen they could trade for. I think uh, moving forward this week, we'll start looking at um, kind of ideal plans for the offseason, kind of mapping out if everything went right, what, what we'd be looking at um, next week. I think early on in the week, we're going to have I will be in uh, South Carolina, but we will still have content uh, churning out over at BSJ. So I think we're going to have a uh, our annual report cards finally coming out by hopefully by next week. The end of the season should probably be near. I don't think this series is going to go very long. I don't think that we're going to go to a seven game series between uh, Tampa and Montreal. So we'll have report cards out next week and start looking ahead to uh, this upcoming season. Finally, as we get 
closer to the Kraken draft because, again, I don't think we're going to see a lot of actual traction happen before that happens. So um, we'll have all that over at BH8, though. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Connor, have fun in South Carolina. Uh, I will be for- sweating. Oh, yes. But we are up here, too. I've yeah, so I'm actually kind of used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been sweating this whole podcast because I just got out of the shower. My room is super hot, and it's just, you know, so hot in this world we got right now. But anyways, have fun in South Carolina. Southie. Maybe call it Southie. We'll call it Southie. I will absolutely never do that. But <laughs> No, you got to do it. <laughs> Turn it into Southie. Anyways, that is Poke the Bear episode 50. Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, you Bruins, uh, Poke the Bear listeners. <laughs> have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>